Okay, we're going to be looking uh, in John's Gospel, chapter 17. So if you want a Bible, as they always do, they will appear if you put your hand up. Um, but uh, I'll be reading to you. You've got a bit of time, so I'm just going to introduce it. John, uh, chapter 17, verse 20 uh, to 26. That's on page 1085 if you're using a church Bible. If you're not, I don't know. But 1085 on the church Bible. Put your hand up if you need one. Uh, I like this prayer. The sermon title is uh, Jesus the Intercessor. Um, when we intercede for someone, Bernard's just been doing intercessory prayers. Bernard has been interceding for other people. He's been praying for other people. And here in this passage, I like this prayer because this is Jesus himself interceding. Uh, what I mean by that is he's praying for others. He's praying for others. Uh, and particularly I like it. It's one of my favourite ones uh, because he's praying uh, for me and he's praying for you. That's quite a, a profound truth, isn't it? This morning, you think about that. Jesus is praying for me and he's praying for you this morning. Jesus, the word Jesus, the name Jesus, they, they were told to give him the name Jesus. It means the Lord saves. So the Saviour, God himself, all, all things created by him, for him, through him, prays for you, intercedes for you this morning. These words aren't just for 2,000 or so years ago. They're for us this morning. And uh, in this chapter, or this part I'm about to read, before that, the context is, Verses 1 to 5, he prays for himself, whereas nothing wrong with praying for yourself. I pray for myself uh, quite often. I ought to probably pray for myself a bit more when I look at the state I'm in sometimes. But he prayed for himself. Verses 6 to 19, he prays for those disciples that were with him at that time. Well, that's good because we pray for people that are with us at this time. But these verses we're going to read, verses 20 to 26, he's praying for those that are going to come. Those people in the future. Now, unless you're uh, just over 2,000 years old, that means you. <laughs> unless you was around at that time, uh, which you weren't, um, uh, and if you were, see me after, we've got people who didn't help you. Um, <laughs> that means he's praying for us now. He prays for those people that will come in, in the future. And if it's important enough for this person who we've sung about, Uh, this morning. We've sung two this morning. We've been ministered to by him this morning. If it's important enough that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, prays for you, then surely we should take his prayer seriously. And we should take this prayer, and we've got the opportunity that because he's praying for us, we're the answer to the prayer, because he's praying about our character, you see? So we can be the answer. Isn't that amazing? We can be the answer to Jesus's prayer. Who'd have thought that? That's a bit of a thing, isn't it? And also, it's quite a responsibility. So if it's important for him, it's important for us. I'm going to read now chapter 17, verse 20 to 26. He's now praying for those that are going to come. This is us. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known to them. In order, sorry, continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them 
and that I myself may be in them. Really powerful uh, words. What does he pray for? This powerful prayer that Jesus prays, what does he pray for? Belief. Verse 20, belief. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So that message was for the disciples then, but it's also those that would believe through our message. This is evangelism, but then through their message, through your message. Romans 10, 14, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? You see his his point, he's passing on this baton to us, and if we don't tell people, no one's going to really get to know about him. I felt this very early when uh, in my call. Immediately I would walk down the high street and see the lostness in people's faces. And I'm not perfect by a long shot. And sometimes I'm ashamed of myself. But Christ has paid for that, as we just sung and prayed for in Christ alone. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. I can be ashamed of many other things, not just myself sometimes, my attitudes. I know that I'm a work in progress. I've heard that term, work in progress. When you go to theological college, they call it another word. They call it sanctification. It means becoming more like Christ. We're not there yet. We're a work in progress. Sometimes I'm ashamed of myself. Sometimes I'm ashamed of other people. I see the way people speak to one another and treat one another. Sometimes in restaurants, the way they talk down to people because someone's they consider lower than themselves. Um, every now and again, not often, I go to Stockbrook Manor. It's a golf course, local. And um, uh, I go there and I can sometimes see uh, the way... I mean, the service is a bit slow, to be fair. And they like you to spend their money in the clubhouse, helps the golf club. Uh, but the service can be a bit slow. And the way sometimes these educated people, who in any other regard would be full of respect, uh, the way they treat the young teenage girls and boys that work there, uh, who are probably not earning a lot of money, they really speak down to them, blame them. And I keep saying, go, go to Mr. Peach, E, Peachy. Um, he knows everything. His number plate's God. And um, go to him and complain to him. Don't, don't have a go at these people, the way they speak to them. And I'm almost ashamed that an adult would speak to youngsters uh, like that. Sometimes I'm ashamed of Christians. Like I'm allowed to say that because I've already said I'm ashamed of myself sometimes and I like to call myself a Christian uh, from time to time. Sometimes I'm ashamed of the church. Sometimes for its lack of passion. Sometimes it's lack of taking seriously the mission of God, or maybe even taking God seriously. Most of the stuff is good, but sometimes I can be ashamed. Sometimes I can be ashamed of something the church comes out with. Uh, people in the church can be a bad witness. We know that. We're all, we're all uh, fallen. But one thing I'm not ashamed of, echo with Paul, Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Sometimes I'm ashamed of the messenger. Sometimes that messenger's me. And sometimes it's you. And sometimes it's other churches. And we have to, we think we're right and they're wrong and we probably are right, but they probably are wrong. I don't know. But the way we can speak to each other, the way we act towards each other, the way, as Katie said earlier, we're a family. We're a family. And I know sometimes there's rows in family. But that doesn't mean to say we leave the family. Uh, I'm a smith. And you better be careful. There's a lot of us. (laughs) And 
and I'm a Smith. You know, there might be rows in my family having a game. I don't leave the family. I don't say, I'm not calling myself Smith no more. You know, I wanted to when I was younger. It's quite a common name. Um, but, um, but, you know, you, you still bear the family name. Well, I'm a Christian. And sometimes we have uh, issues. I don't stop calling myself a Christian and walk away, uh, you know, in, in taking my toys out of the pram or whatever you want to say. Because we believe in the gospel. We believe in the message. Sometimes the messengers can get it a bit right, but generally we're okay, uh, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And this is why I do what I do, and it's why hopefully you do what you do in whatever uh, uh, place you're in. This is why we preach, and why we teach and admonish, hopefully with love and graciousness. It's why we run alpha courses. They're hard work. We don't do it for a laugh. We do it because there's a purpose. I, I do enjoy them, to be fair. Uh, but we want to invite people. We want you to invite people to Alpha because we believe that the gospel has power and it changes life. And like Ian said, it, Jesus puts a new heart in people. A new heart. And that was a prophecy uh, that was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. We had all the prophecy of Ezekiel and Joel put a new heart in them. I'll write my law on their hearts. God does want to put a new heart in you today. And this is what we're about as church. We want to tell people that message. Jesus is praying for us that as we tell others that they will believe through our message. That's what we're about as church, the ecclesia, the set aside, those that are called out. And for me and for you, this is of incredible importance. For Christians to be changed into the likeness of Christ, that's that sanctification again, and to witness to others. And if I wanted to sum it up, I know it's somewhere here, it's gone, um, but we've got it somewhere, and I know you'll know it. But if I said to you, finish the line, to know Jesus and to make him known. To know Jesus, that's a personal relationship, but then we take that personal relationship and make him known. We've got to tell others. And in my experience, in most churches, they're really good at the first half, but sometimes we get a bit worried about the second half. Colossians 1, 28, 29, we proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labour, struggling with all this energy which so powerfully works in me. Don't underestimate the power that you have as a Christian in telling others. This energy, if you tap into it, comes from Christ. It's the Holy Spirit burning fiercely within us. Recently, recent examples over the summer, see how lots of you can be moved to prayer without really any sense of direction or any leader telling you you should be doing it. You just did it. And, and it's been brilliant, and it's been fantastic to see the church family come together in that way, to be determined, to see an answer for prayer. And the passion was, was, in, was incredible. But I'd hate us to lose that momentum and wait for really um, tough situations to develop before we actually our passion in prayer is stirred. Why haven't we got that passion anyway? And imagine what we could achieve if we really pray, imagine if you all, all of a sudden, I'm not telling you to do this, I just said leaders didn't have to tell you, um, but imagine if we really bought into Alpha, or really bought into church growth, or really bought into character growth, and we thought, well, let's get together and pray about it. Let's get really passionate. And do you know, God says he'll do immeasurably more than we can ask for and imagine. So why aren't we asking? Because he'll do more. And, and, I, and I'm committed to the church. I'm committed to his message. And I know loads of you are as well. I'd hate us to see, to see us lose that momentum. Jesus prays here for those who will believe through their message. I've got to ask you, we have that passion to pray, to tell, to invite, whether it's to services, whether it's to Alpha. We should have no leaflets less. or should be printing more. We have that passion for the lost. Paul said he wept for the lost. When did I last weep for the lost? 
Don't just be a consumer, which the church in the West for a lot of people has become. Church is there for me. And if there's nothing there for me this week, I'll just stay away. Be a contributor. Be a missioner. Be a giver. Be committed. Reflected in membership, what we're doing, we come together and discern the way forward. Gathering, discerning, uh, uh, contributing. Otherwise, I'm just coming to get what I can get out of it. And if you don't invest anything, there's an ex-broker, I'll tell you right now, if you don't invest anything, you get no return. If you invest in it, if you invest in family, you'll get a return. You'll get a return. So this message that we have is important. You never know where you are in that message, by the way. You, know, you scatter seeds and we never know. I'm going to ask Katie. That's my little cue. Because she shared something with me just before the service. And I said, well, can you share that? Because I was running out of illustrations. You can stand wherever you want. Why don't you go to the lectern? Oh. Oh. It's a bit posh, isn't it? The lectern. I'll change my mind. Go ahead. Okay. Um, now, our family had some really good news this week. Um, my sister texted me very excited. Some of you, particularly people from Sunnymead, might remember my sister Sarah, probably some nods, who came to live with us for a while. And while she lived with us in her early 20s, she um, had a resurgence and came back to Christ through the work of, of the church, really, and, and God's spirit here. Um, and she was actually baptised at Sunnymead Church, wasn't she? Um, I don't know if you remember that. And went to Alpha there as well. Well, Anyway, Sarah and her husband and um, their children, they live in Norfolk now. And they've been attending what used to be Sheringham Baptist Church, but um, is now called the Lighthouse um, Project in Sheringham. It's a fabulous church. And um, Dominic, her husband, um, isn't a Christian and he hasn't been brought up in a Christian home. In fact, he actually admitted that he had no knowledge of who God was. And it wasn't that he didn't like God. He just just had no, didn't know. Um, And... um, so they've been married for about 10 years now. And um, Dominic and Sarah are house parents in a boarding school in Norfolk. So they care for 70, 15 to 18-year-old boys, um, as you can imagine, and then their own two children and their two dogs. Um, and um, one of the boys, um, Tatende, is from Zimbabwe, and he's on a full scholarship from cricket from Zimbabwe. And um, as he's come, he, he joined the church, and there was always a minibus that my sister would organise to run for any of the boys who wanted to go to church on a Sunday, and they would take them. And Tatende started going and attending the youth work. And then last week, he, he decided he wanted to get baptised. And he asked Dominic, um, who's almost become like a father to him, to go into the pool with him. And um, when Dominic came out, he told my sister that he felt changed. He went into the pool, and he came out changed. And in their kitchen this week... On Monday, he asked my sister to pray for him, and he became a Christian. And you just have to, you just have to thank God um, for all the seeds, all the seeds that were sown in, in my sister's life while she was here that have led to her being able to sow into the life of her husband. And, and now, you know, she has a Christian husband. <laughs> so, Amazing. The other thing Katie shared was that Dominic said to Sarah, don't, you know, go, was it rushing about telling everybody, but we won't say a word, will we? <laughs> Isn't that good? I mean, it's just amazing where those seeds are sown. So don't underestimate it. Invite, talk to, bring along. And if we're the people of God that we said right at the beginning, if we've got the right character, this will be the most attractive place uh, in, in people's weeks that they'll want to come to. They'll want to be among the people of God because we're all about Christ. And that energy comes from him. So let's remember that passion that we can only get from him. The second thing that Jesus prays for is unity, doesn't he, in verses 21 and, uh, and 23. But praise, you know, we can proclaim the gospel, we can proclaim the good news, but unless we're living it out and presenting it as a family, then, then we really rob the gospel of its power. 
We don't really, but what we do, we, we, we skew the message. Um, so if we're talking about being a family and we've got this message and it's great and you know, we're together and then people walk into the church and get spoken to abruptly or you know, they see people speaking to each other abruptly without love, um, then it's a really bad witness. And people will not come back because they can get that in the world and they shouldn't get it here. This should be the most, as I always said, and don't get me wrong, I know there are differences, we get, we get that, but we're a family and we're committed to one another. And even if we have to say sometimes harsh things, they should be said in love. So we need unity, and we need that, and I know we need that, because Jesus talks about it. He talks about unity, that they, all of them may be one. Verse 22, be one as we are one, as he and the Father are one. Perfect relationship. Verse 23, complete unity. Psalm 133 says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. You know what, what strikes me about that, that part of the psalm? Is that where there is, where brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, there the Lord bestows a blessing. What would be the opposite of unity? It would be disunity, wouldn't it? Yes? Right. So, and what's the opposite of blessing? No blessing. That one was easy. Disunity. I know English fans are here. Ununity, no unity. It could have been any word, but it's disunity. But if you have unity and there's a blessing, if it's disunity, you've got to figure, well, if the Lord bestows a blessing where there's unity, will he withhold that blessing where there's disunity? And I look at the state of the church, the church, in some areas of the world where there's disunity, and it seems like in some areas he's removed his blessing. Where there's disunity about the word of God, and we'll take the bits that we like, and we'll leave the bits that we won't. There seems to be disunity, and the Lord doesn't seem to be blessing those churches, to me. The evangelical churches in this country are the ones that are growing. Evangelical is not just evangelistic. Don't get the two words confused, although evangelism... Is part of being an evangelical. Evangelicalism is a belief in this is the word of God, a passion for evangelism, a commitment to mission, uh, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's being an evangelical. And it's those churches, whether they're evangelical Catholic, evangelical Baptist, evangelical Anglicans, they're the ones that are growing. They're the ones that... It's a movement within the churches. And I'd like to think... We're, well, we are members of the Evangelical Alliance, so we are evangelicals. We're Christians first and foremost, but what we uh, believe as Christians reflects that we're evangelicals. So we want unity. And where there's disunity, and where there's discord, the Lord can remove his blessing as much as he gives it when there's unity. So the question is, do we want to be blessed this morning? Yes, ten of you want to be blessed this morning. So we want to be blessed this morning, don't we? Right, and to be blessed, we have to have unity. I want to be blessed. I want that new heart that Ian has said has been on, on his mind all through this morning and when he came into the service. I want to believe that that's from God. That's a word for us. He, he wants to give us a new heart. You know, these are, uh, a few months ago, talked about the seed that has to go to the ground and had a picture and, this, and it has to die to itself before it can give new life. Is God saying something then to us? It seems like it. He wants to give us a new heart. We're not dwelling any longer on the past. I don't want to talk about the past anymore. But he's giving us a new heart. He's doing a new thing. See, it springs up. Do you not perceive it? 
And with that, we want unity because we want a blessing. I want to be blessed. I want this church to be blessed. I want to see blessing in your lives. And Jesus prays that you're a person of unity. The Bible says that whereas there is unity, the Lord's bestowing the blessing. And when we work together, we can achieve so much for God. We already do. When I first came back here, I thought, right, you know, I know all the things we should be doing. And I looked, I thought, we're doing most of them. You know, there's no more groups to set up. And when I went to my first ministry, we didn't know, we had no coffee drop in, we had no this, and I thought, oh, I don't know what to do, I've seen it all up the road. Well, now I've come back to up the road, and you're all doing it, it's great. But that passion, that new heart, that's got to emanate from everything we do as well. When we work together, we can achieve so much for God, but we can get bogged down. And this is what the enemy loves in petty arguments and disagreements. We can choose to be offended rather than choosing not to be. We can hold on to grudges because at the end of the day, we're human. And I remember I said I'm ashamed of myself sometimes. And it can wear you down when you're like that. And it tires you out. You're always seeing the negative. And why? Because there's no blessing in that. Look, the, the Lord has no blessing in that disunity, the negativity, the complaining rather than gratitude, the finding fault and not being prepared to be part of the solution. Nothing here for me this week. I think I'll stay away. Totally ignoring any responsibility to the wider family. That's being the consumer. Yet we're called to be contributors. There's no blessing there. Now, I was never very good at football. Even Sabutio. And, but I like to think I was. I was what's known as a ringer. Uh, because my brother used to work for a supermarket. Remember Gateways? Remember Gateways? Right, so he used to work for Gateways. Gateways. And there was this football team, took them ages to think up the name, called Gateway United. <laughs> and they were all the people that worked at Gateway. And I was what's known as a ringer. What that means is I wasn't um, in the High Church of England ringing their bells. I was a ringer because I, did, I never worked for Gateway. But my brother said, well, we need, we, we're down to 10 men. We need 11 men. Come, come and play for us. So I started going to the training, and we, uh, we did all right. We are kind of very sort of, you know, I can't say, I can't even say West Ham middle of the table anymore. We were very middle of the table. Um, and uh, we trained uh, well one week, and we were training, we, we thought we should have beat this team coming up, but we went 1-0 down. Can't believe that, can you? You get used to it as a West Ham fan. And we went 1-0 down, Gateway United, even with their ringer, not winger, ringer. I was, I was uh, right back. And uh, then we went two down. Right, which, you know, I was part of the defence. That's a bit of an issue now uh, for me because we're supposed to be winning. And what happened? We started finding fault with each other. We were two down. And we started blaming each other and bickering. And, you know, I think we could have probably come back from that game because we were a better team. Remember Liverpool in the late 70s, my dad's here, I remember him saying when they were European champions, they'd go 1-0 down. he said, don't worry, they'll just keep playing their game, they will win. And they did. They were top, weren't they? Do you remember that? No, was it me, 1979? Half of you remember it. It's good. Um, it's a year before West Ham won the FA Cup. Um, but at that moment, when we're bickering and arguing amongst ourselves on the pitch, they had us beat. They had us beat because we're in discord. And we don't want, do we, the church to be in that position. Sometimes we might feel we're 2-0 down. But actually, Jesus has won the battle. And we don't want to start bickering and blaming each other and things go a bit awry. Jesus said he'll build his church and the gates of Hades will not come against it. The enemy, if God loves it when there's unity, there's one who, hate, who loves it when there's disunity. That's why there's no blessing. But with unity, so much more can happen because it's there that the Lord bestows a blessing. It's there that if there is a bit of disunity, we want to pour water on the fire, not, not stoke it up. I find personally for me, 
The closer I am to God, then the more I'm settled in myself. If I let my devotional life and time with him suffer, then I start to get offended easily because I think I'm doing things of my own strength and I get stressed and I'm not giving it to him. Bernard said, didn't he? Cast all your burdens and anxieties on him and he will give you rest, rest for your soul. You know, once I start not doing that and put it on myself, we get stressed, we get anxious, we get aggy and we start annoying people and we get annoyed. Jesus showed many times that his ministry was entwined with the Father and the Holy Spirit. He knew he wasn't on his own. He wasn't done in isolation. His ministry wasn't done in isolation. The Trinity is a perfect relationship. And we and you are not called to be a Christian in isolation. We're part of a family. And we are a family. And, you know, I've got to tell you, I'm so grateful for the family. And I I know that some of you, well, all of you are not perfect, and I know that I'm not perfect, but I'm so grateful that we're a family. I'm so grateful that all three congregations are here as a family. I'm so grateful for the diversity and the different ministries that go on through the town of Billericay. But we're family, and I'm grateful. We're surrounding and care for one another, worshipping together, witnessing to the world. This is what Jesus calls us to do. Sometimes we need to work at that, because any relationship sometimes frazzles right? Um, even among the leadership. Uh, uh, we work at being friends as well as co-leaders. We work at that. We're intentional about it. We're co-workers in Christ. We won't always agree. I can tell you uh, I'm not surrounded by a bunch of yes people. Um, I want them to be because that would make my life easier. But it probably wouldn't. It wouldn't because I can get things wrong. Uh, and I can, I can get, obviously can get things wrong. And I need people around me, but I don't, we don't fall out if someone disagrees with me. We don't always agree, but I don't throw my toys out the pram, and neither do they. We respect one another, and it's born out of relationship, and it's intentional. And it seems to me in the world, people give up so easily on marriages, on friendships, on family, and even on church. Sometimes, very occasionally, for good reason. But much of the time, it's an attitude of, what can I get out of this? rather than what can I put into it. They're all worth investing in. If you put no investment in, you get no return. And that's important that we're those people of God, because the third thing Jesus talks about is, in verses 21 and 23, our relationship and our unity is a witness. All may be one, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He's saying, look, with their unity, the world can believe that you sent me. I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I find nothing more distasteful than people criticising the church. Um, when, I don't mean that we're above criticism. I don't mean that small things don't go wrong. But when they make, seem to make a lifestyle out of it. Um, as a student minister, when I was here, I preached at many other churches. You didn't allow me uh, to preach as much. <laughs> There's a lot going on and I was no good. Um, but, uh, but as a student minister, you get to preach, or minister in training, you have to call him now. I have to call him minister in training. I'm not allowed to call him student minister anymore. I've got loads of other names I call him, but now I have to, <laughs> I have to say minister in training to his face, don't I? <laughs> but as a student minister, back in the day, the good old days, I uh, preached at many other churches. And, and equally, uh, towards the end of my time at my last church, I had a year where I preached at other churches as well. And there was nothing more discouraging to me than the negativity that people shared about the family of God. I'd go into a church, some of which I'd never been in before. They don't know me. And the people would complain. I mean, they'd come up to you and seem to relish their complaints and put down the church where they worshipped. 
They loved the bridegroom and hated the bride. And I thought, I would not want to come to this church. And then the opposite of that, a church is where there's obvious godly pride in who they are and recognition of their identity, who they're about, committed contributors rather than compromised consumers. And that was something I thought, well, I'd love to be part of that. And I'd feel like I was missing out if I wasn't part of that. And here Jesus says, our relationship with God, may they be in us, and our relationship with each other, brought to complete unity to let the world know you have sent me and have loved them. He's talking about relationship, positivity, unity. Discord and disunity affects our witness. You only have to look at the papers to see where churches disagree, it gets in the press. The good stuff doesn't. Uh, We want attractive, appealing, life-spirit-filled churches. And I'd want to challenge you, if you... Feel good about church, because actually when the chips are down, this church recently has responded really positively. And I'm for one, I'm grateful, and I'm for one, don't want to walk away when there's something that I don't agree with, or maybe my passion isn't for church. How can we love, how can we love the bridegroom and put down his body, the church? How can we do that? Let's not say, I don't want to say you can never criticise anything, it's, it's that constant look for the problem. And of course, uh, verse 24, uh, the fourth point Jesus prays about is our destiny. Our destiny. We have a destiny. That's good. It's good to look forward to it. A destiny is something that's going to happen. I want those you have given me to be where uh, I am. I worked in New York in the early 90s for two years. I think I've told you that in the past. Uh, and in the back of my mind, I always knew I'd come back. Uh, it was for a two-year period. But at the end of the two years, they said, we can get you a green card. We can get you a green card. I thought it was something to do with Cluedo or something like that. I wasn't sure what it meant. But then they explained it. I'll become a, what they call a resident alien. It's an attractive name. Who wouldn't want to be that? I was this Englishman in New York. And Katie, interestingly, <laughs> I don't take coffee, I'll drink tea, my dear. <laughs> Toast is buttered on one side. That's it, that's all you get him. Katie read the scripture earlier about aliens, foreigners, aliens, strangers. We're in the world, not of the world. Uh, And I remember when I was in New York, uh, I always knew I'd come back. I was always a bit homesick. And I think I've mentioned before, when the plane would come down at Gatwick or Heathrow, I'd look at the... This is how you know you've really missed your country. You look down and see the M25 and you think, I've missed that. (laughs) That's how I knew I was coming back. When I became a Christian, I remember feeling coming into me, and obviously we have the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. There was another feeling, a feeling of just not, something not quite right. And I remember sitting down uh, with the pastor that was here at the time and explaining this, and he said, it's because you're homesick. You didn't have that feeling before, because this was your home. But actually, it's not your home anymore. Your home is going to be in heaven with God. And at the moment, we're just all a little bit homesick, because we have a destiny. And we can say, along with Paul in Philippians 1, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. And as Bernard mentioned, we had the uh, funeral of Reverend Alan Edwards and uh, heard about his love for the word of God. We saw his sermon books. I only saw one. Apparently he had loads of them. And I couldn't even read them. And I'm young. <laughs> but it was so tiny. Each page was a sermon with the hymns sung and the points he made. And I tried to nick it because I thought, that's going to that's gonna save me a lot of time. But they... <laughs> They had their eyes on me. But, jo- but Jonathan Edwards, not the Jonathan Edwards, it, it sort of is, the ex-General Secretary of the Baptist Union, who was his nephew, who preached, he got one of the books and he showed us. It was amazing. So to thank God for a life like that and someone who could say, yes, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
He was ready. And it was amazing. It inspired me as a minister to live a life somewhere near that. John 14, verse 1, which we often read at funerals. Jesus' words, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? This is our destiny. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And of course, Thomas says, Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And it always makes me smile when the Holy Spirit does it, because Katie read out the Agents of Strangers, and other people in their prayers said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I had this written down. Isn't it amazing how God does it? I love that. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's an outrageous claim. He's the only way. Yes, that's what he says. That's what he says. He says his, his path, the narrow path, is the only way. And so much of the world is on the wrong way. And as we give our witness out and tell them a different way, we have to draw them towards the church, to Christ. Uh, and lastly, he gives us identity, uh, verse 25 to 26. I have made you known to them. We are children of God. Romans 8.15, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave to fear, you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Galatians 4, verse 6, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. I will give you a new heart, Ian shared this morning. I will give you a new heart. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Not just about an attitude of following rules, which is a deathly religion. There's loads of other religions you can do that for, and it's not working out for them. It's not just concerned about breaking the rules, but it's more concerned about breaking God's heart because you love him. And for me, I love my God, and I choose to serve him and to follow him as his son, and you can as well, as his son or his daughter. And because that gives us purpose, that final point at the bottom. Gives us our purpose. Once I know, I had to believe. Katie said, didn't she, in the worship, think back to that time when you became a Christian. Might have been a journey. Might have been an event in history. We've heard a testimony of someone that happened to. Think about that time. That's when we believe. But now, Jesus uses us to draw others to himself. The lost. We have the good news. He uses the church, which we should be positive about and not speak down about because we're our family. And so we want to draw people to the church, to Alpha, to, to, to Christ, passionate and willing. We want to be a church that has unity because there, that's where God will bestow a blessing. We want to use that unity as a witness, as a witness. And we've, we've got an opportunity to be a great witness or a bad witness. We have a destiny. You're assured of your destiny and you have an identity of a people of love. You can have the opportunity to go out from this place this morning and be the blessing. Be the people of God. A heart for God and his church. Full of his spirit. Seeking his kingdom. Laying your life down. That seed that has to die so that it can be raised again. New life with a new heart. God is speaking. to give us a new heart in the church because this is his church. Rightly said in Ephesians 2. Uh, uh, Katie read out he is the head of the church he is and he fills his church with his spirit and he gives you and us a new heart so we bear his name and we're a witness to the nations don't leave this place today 
unchanged. I've been challenged writing this as well. I can speak down about the church sometimes if, if one of you have cheesed me off, which is not often, but it happens. And I shouldn't. I mean, I'm not terrible. I don't think I'm going out speaking really negative things. But I can get annoyed. But I need to stay close to God. I need to speak well of you, well of the church, because the church is the body of Christ. If I speak against the church, I'm speaking against him. And of course, we'll have disagreements and sometimes different theologies, but we work them out in a spirit of love and of unity because then the Lord will bestow his blessing. And it's the witness we give to the outside world. I can't preach the gospel and then say, I hate my church. I can't do it, and nor should you. So let's be a people of God, full of love, full of his spirit, a new heartiness, preaching his gospel and witnessing out his love through the people of God, his church, his church, the bride of Christ. Let me pray and then uh, Katie will come back up. But we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, there's so much positives uh, in the church, the ecclesia, those who are called out, those that bear your name. We know, Lord, that we're not perfect. But I pray, as your word says in Colossians 3, that we bear with one another, forgive whatever grievances we've got against one another, serving you in everything we do, in word or deed, do it in your name. So I pray for us, Lord. I thank you so much. We are a family. A family of children belonging to you. Your word says that we've confessed Christ. We have the right to be called children of God. And I pray that you would give us a new heart. As we come into this new season for this year, give us a new heart in the church, Lord. And if there's anyone here individually um, that you're speaking to, I pray you'd make that really clear. They'd seek prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.